0: All of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Raise and em. give it to Bishop. <laughs> Touchdown, Louisiana. There's the king. Pick him up. Pick him up. Carry him over here. woo <laughs> T.J. Wishup with his first collegiate touchdown.
1: How, how was that, Jay? ooh, 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 ooh wee. <laughs> Something like that. There's Jay Walker, ladies and gentlemen, and the voice of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns in studio with me for the hour. We're going to dig into uh, UL, some college football, Saints, Terrible Tune Tuesday. That's right. We got plenty in store for you. Good morning. How's it going? It's good. It's good. Happy Tuesday. So it's almost game day again. Jeez. It was, um, I I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because I know it was last week, but I, uh. I was fortunate enough to get to talk to uh, the three Hall of Famers right. that went into the Hall of Fame Friday night for the U Athletics Hall of Fame, Paul Bocco, Phil Dv, Ashley, Brignac, Domek, uh, and, of course, Coach Robe went in as well. But I was able to talk to them on the show. It was um, at a birthday party for my daughter. So I wasn't able to attend the ceremony. Right. I know you emceed I really wanted to be there. Um, but... Um, I want it to be at my daughter's party more. I understand Uh, that. What, what, paint the picture for me. You, you emceed it. I heard it was really a a great night. It it, it was a great
0: night. Let me tell you something. Michelle Bernard is amazing because she kind of put that whole thing together, the layout and how it worked and all of the stuff that surrounded it. Uh, she is absolutely amazing. Um, everybody, that I talked to said it was the best induction that they've ever had from a, from a pageantry standpoint, I guess. And, um, the, you know, we had honestly more folks than I thought we would have go into the grandstand at Russo park to watch it. It was, um, it was great. I mean, it was great. The, um, all, all, f- all four speakers were tremendous. Now, you know, Say eight to two, of you went about twenty-five. Yeah, but um, I
1: bet it didn't feel like it.
0: But but he was entertaining. Right. Okay, um, I thought you know Ashley's tribute to the uh, to the fans, and and said you know I I went everywhere and, and nobody's got fans like the Cajuns do. Um, I was surprised that Paul Baco was the most emotional of the uh, of the four. Justin told me afterwards. It that was harder than actually speaking at his dad's funeral. Um, he said it was it was a really really it was really really tough for him, but he was great. Um, I I thought Austin Perrin and Jacob Schultz when when Justin came up to speak. Um, Austin Schultz as uh, Jacob Schultz as Justin was walking up came out with roses. Um, it was, it, it was just good, you know, and it was good to see some, some other former players. Danny Mazziotti was there. Um, of course, Scott Doman was there as one of Phil's guests. In fact, Scott and his wife and Scott's parents were part of uh, uh, Phil's guest list. They had pooparts, did cookies um, at every chair. In the place, and if you were at Ashley's table, they all said double zero Brignac Domac, and mm-hmm. if you're at table, you are a DV's table, they all said DV thirty five. I just thought once again, little touches that just made it really special, and you know, I I don't know if we're ever going to have another class like that as far as one that affected me personally, because all were special now, you know, and um, on her Facebook page, Ashley did a series of one second video clips that kind of encapsulated the whole weekend. And it was, it was so cool because, you know, besides that, they ride in the homecoming parade, they get introduced uh, at the end of the first quarter on the field. And um, all of that stuff is part of hall of fame weekend. And, but I thought the ceremony was great. And one, something I'll always remember. I, I said afterwards, it's really for me personally, is one of the highlights of my career.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Glad it went as good as it did, and uh, all four are, are deserving of that. So and I introduced
0: to Tony that. without crying.
1: I wouldn't have uh, – I don't know, man. I would have put that at, like, plus 600, oh, minus, no, no. Minus, <laughs> minus 600 to cry, plus 600 to make it through. Yeah, I, I actually was
0: surprised because – even even writing it out, I was very emotional. and every time I read it during the week, I was emotional. Um, and but I made I made, it, I made it through and surprised myself.
1: ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. that's Shay Walker on 1033 on the FM dial, 14:20 on the AM dial and streaming worldwide via the app. the, um, <clears throat> the game Saturday. How much you even break down? It was thorough. It was dominant. It was it, – it's not like it was shot out of a cannon and there were all these points right out the gate, but that's not typically how a lot of Coach Napier's more dominant games have gone. It sort of takes a minute to get rolling. You feel the other team out, and, and I'm talking specifically about the games that have been lopsided and had the close ones, but if you look at them, a lot of them either late in the first or in this case early in the second, and then from there it was just like – you know a damn burst and they couldn't be stopped from there the game itself was dominant i think the bigger takeaway for me was that's the best atmosphere of any game in the napier era for an 11am kickoff and yes it was homecoming the atmosphere there it hasn't it hasn't always been there for all these games during the napier era it was undoubtedly there on saturday it
0: was pretty awesome i got to i got to tell you you know first of all you had chamber of commerce weather you know it was just outstanding weather I think having to change the homecoming parade route because of the time change uh-huh. turned out to be a home run because I can tell you now, I promise you that from now on the homecoming parade is going to pass at Cajun Field. I, I'm just telling you what I know. You just stay. Yeah. You don't have to go to two places. That's exactly right. Um, so I thought that was great. Um There were more people before the game tailgating than I expected because of the early thing, but I thought tailgating after the game was super. Um, You know, as far as the game itself is concerned, if you go back, and we've talked about this before, the Cajuns had a four possession where they went touchdown, field goal, field goal, touchdown. That's 20 points with their last two possessions of the first half and their first two possessions of the second half. You know, you score 20 points on four possessions more often than not, you're going to win the football game. I think the game was over after the first play when Brady McBride went down with the ankle injury. Uh, I don't think Texas State was going to beat the Cajuns anyway, but they sure weren't going to beat them without him.
1: And, But I didn't expect a zero on the scoreboard either. You've had four home games. One was close. The other three have been lopsided wins in favor of the Cajuns. The fifth home game of the season is this Thursday night against Georgia State. Quick turnaround. Betting-wise, minus 12. It was minus 11. Now it's minus 12. Uh, Georgia State's 4-4. Four and four. Uh, I think they're better than Texas State. I think they're, they're better than a few teams the Cajuns have already played this year. What is your expectation for Thursday night?
0: Georgia State provides a couple of interesting challenges. They're very good up front with their offensive line. You know, I think the Cajuns have an excellent offensive line. I think App State does too. But Georgia State's got a really good offensive line. they got a first-team all-conference guy at left tackle. Um, They're a team that wants to run the football, and that includes the quarterback. Um, Very mobile guy. uh, Transfer from Furman. uh, The kid who started for Georgia State as a freshman last year, lost his job, and yesterday he entered the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. Um, They have – they've got three backs that are all capable, kind of like the Cajuns, but they're definitely a run-first team. And, you know, the Cajuns have been pretty good against the run this year. Now, they haven't always been good against a mobile quarterback, but but this – and this guy is – he can make some stuff happen. They, they do designed runs for him, and he's able to scramble. Cajun defense is going to get a test there. Um, defensively, I think Georgia State is okay. I don't think they're great, but, I, but they've got some guys who can make plays. And they've played a very difficult schedule, Scott. Now, the three wins that they've gotten in conference play are, have been against not good teams. But this is a team that had Auburn beat early in the season. Auburn scored on a fourth down play with about 25 seconds left to win the game. And then when Georgia State was frantically trying to get into field goal range, they got a pick six. Um, But so they're capable. And I've seen Georgia State get up for big teams. I mean, they beat Tennessee a couple years ago. Uh, They almost beat Auburn this year. And remember, the Cajuns had to go overtime to beat them last year over in, in Atlanta. So I, I think this this is a game where the Cajuns have to come out and play well. I think if they come out and, and and play like if they play raging Cajun football, they'll win the game. But they have to do that. If they come out sluggish or if they come out and, you know, put the ball on the ground or whatever, this is a team that's capable of beating the Cajuns if the Cajuns help them a little bit.
1: Thursday, 6.30 at Cajun Field on the Mothership, television-wise. ESPN, make the crowd look good. ESPN, national audience, we'll see you out at Cajun Field. Pre-game begins at 4.30 Thursday right here on ESPN. I I
0: made the comment at the beginning of the game. It was right at kickoff, and I said, not a great crowd, but a representative crowd. And then, toward the end of the first quarter, I said, okay, I got to take that back. Because there were a lot of people who filed in after kickoff, mm-hmm. said, we got a great crowd here today." And uh, I, th- I thought they had a chance to crack 30. It was twenty eight seven. Take that every day of the week.
1: Yeah, best best crowd of the Napier era. I think if you look at the Grambling game, there was a lot of Grambling fans, right. so There was maybe a hundred Texas state fans there Saturday. so that was that was all vermilion and white, and um, they showed up. They need to keep showing up. Got a top twenty-five team, twenty-four in the AP, just outside of the coaches' poll. I thought they would crack both polls. I did too. Coach Napier is not really concerned about it, but um, just got to keep winning. I uh, want to circle back to Cajun hoops in a minute, but I want to stick on college football for a moment. Jay LSU Alabama this uh, this Saturday night, six o'clock ESPN, and you know it hit me. It struck me. It's really I. I know, I know a lot of people around here feel different ways about LSU. I think when LSU does well, I'm, I'm, I like that. Uh, this has been a disaster of a season for them, and you don't know like a football, t- an NFL team starts playing really bad, and then you get to a certain part of the season, and then the fans of that NFL team basically just start to talk about draft position and all of the other things that are coming like in the spring because they're already just like done with the season. I don't I don't think that I think if you told like fans, hey, what about Alabama? Like they would they would get up for it and be like, Well, yeah, we want to beat Alabama, but none of them actually think it's gonna happen. So so much of the fan base has kind of moved on and it's not about draft picks, obviously it's college football or even recruiting. It's essentially just about the coach. And it's a unique situation in that they've already announced it and everything else. But I feel like when that announcement came, it just added more The conversation, how do I put this? Conversation was going to happen no matter what. Who's going to be the next head coach? Everyone knew that O was going to be out after this year. By announcing it early, it's almost like it it didn't just fuel that conversation more. That would have been had no matter what. It took emphasis off of this actual season. You look at the amount of players that are not playing. Some of them are hurt. Some of them just decided they didn't want to do it. It's it was this I, I didn't know what kind of impact it was going to have right away. I was like, well I guess you got out in front of it, whatever, everyone knew it was going to happen. But I feel like it took more emphasis off of the games that still need to be played here. You're probably yeah, right. It's LSU, LSU you know, Alabama and no one's even know, really
0: talking about it. But you know, you know what this this move did though and and, and it's I think it's the upside of the move that they made. The fans were getting so vicious when it came to the coaching staff at LSU. So they make the announcement and the fans go, good. And you know what's happening? You know what's happening now? You don't hear fans being vicious about Ed Ogeron now. You don't. And and I'm just here to tell you, when they play that final home game, Ogeron is going to get a huge ovation from the fans. It's... It think? sucked the hate out of it.
1: But it, it's but it sucked the air out of the games that still have to be played. Well, guess what? You know?
0: Uh, you still got to play. What did Herm Edwards say you play to win the game? Hello? Yes. yes. And I'm sure that they'll play to win the game. Huh. Uh, but uh, Not all of them. Well, and you know what? That's why you're making a coaching change. Because but, if you're going to have guys... Who decide? Well, I don't want to play.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then they don't belong in your program anyway.
1: Listen to this clip from Coach Show yesterday. About him and his staff you used last week to do a lot of scouting. Uh, what did you come up with? And you know, how, how confident are you that your coaches kind of, you know, learned a lot about your team?
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> they're very good as always. very well coached.
1: He's talking about Alabama, and now the reporter says, no, I'm talking about self-scouting in terms of scouting your own team.
2: Uh, well, uh, on us, okay, on us. Well, self-scouting, we, we're too predictable uh, about formations, too predictable on first down. Uh, we're very, very predictable on, uh, on defense. Uh, we need to have more of a variety on first down. We're uh, giving them the same looks over and over again. Uh, There's not much disguise. What we lined up in, we were in. So we got to, you can't, this part of the season, you just can't put a lot of new stuff in. But we put in a a couple little wrinkles to make it tough. And then the the biggest part for us on defense is adjusting. Uh, We have not been in the right adjustments. We have not been in the right position according to some formations. So we had an adjustment period all last week, adjustment period all this week. We've been doing it. But we're really really holding in and being in the right place at the right time.
1: So another thing that seems to have happened, Jay, is Coach O who when the mic is on and it's the media always says it's on me, always never never throws and I'm not suggesting he's so much throwing coaches under the bus, because at this point they're all the bus is gone. Right. What you're seeing now is is Coach O just like I'm just gonna tell you how it is. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not gonna try to lie to you like all when i heard that i was like oh he's just being real like when they were losing like by 21 to old miss and he didn't even look like stressed on the sideline there's there's this weird effect of even when you know you're going to be out once it's official there there was there was something that changed to your point some of the vitriol and i think to my point just the psychological side of it. It's been interesting because I I didn't anticipate learning new things over a couple of weeks after that announcement was made, but you've definitely seen the impact of it. Uh, Yes. Miles Brennan uh, entered the transfer portal. Sucks for that kid, man. He worked hard. just had a couple of crazy injuries. But um, hopefully he gets somewhere. A kid can play. We'll see what happens with him.
0: Well, somebody's going to take a flyer on him. I guarantee you that.
2: Yeah. Tough Um, kid.
0: Absolutely. And and hopefully he'll have – Hopefully, he'll be able to stay healthy and have success
1: at his next stop. Alabama minus 28 and a half.
0: Yeah, I know. When was the last time Alabama LSU wasn't on CBS?
1: I don't know. I don't know. It's been a minute. Yeah, it has. It's been a minute. Um because there were those C B S games where it was the C B S game, but it was their one primetime game. So right. I'm I'm trying to just think of like I, I don't I have no idea, Jay.
0: So um, you know, it's still I mean it's six o'clock in the evening, um, but it's not on CBS no. and that's interesting. That is interesting. Um, you know, the 28, twenty eight,
1: twenty nine, whatever it is, you know, it is what it is. So Ryan Nielsen, remember Coach O wanted him to come and, and coach some of the defense, and Sean Payton was like Nah, we're not going to let you do that. You have this clause in your contract. We're going to give you a raise. We're going to give you a bigger title. And everybody was upset. Different fan I'm not not, not talking about fan bases. Aside from what your rooting interest is, some people were upset that Sean would do that. Like, it's not like him. He's usually out there. He's usually trying to help his guys get jobs. In hindsight, I'd say Ryan Nielsen needs to thank him because... LSU staff looks like they're on the way out, whereas the Saints' defense right now, fourth-ranked scoring defense in the NFL. Sorry. A little six feet under. Uh, top 10 defense in terms of yards allowed in the NFL right now. They're carrying this team. The defensive line got on Yamada back. Um, we love Chris Ringo, but you, the reality is they also lost Malcolm Brown and, 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 and Sheldon Rankins and others on their D-line. Um. But the defensive line, Marcus Davenport, when he's healthy, he's playing really well. Uh, Cam Jordan had his best game of the season. Folks were waiting for him to wake up, I think, on Yamada being back to help. But my point is, I think Ryan Nielsen, Dennis Allen, the Saints defense, a Sean Payton team, Jay, and it's the defense that's carrying the Saints to an improbable 5-2 and record right now.
0: Yeah, you know, we both predicted a losing record for the same, and it still might happen because they've got some very difficult. I don't think they're going seven and ten. I think I'm going to be wrong about that prediction. But they're, um, you know, they've lost their top two quarterbacks now. Um, You know, fortunately, they've got a healthy run game. Michael Thomas hadn't played. Your offensive line is is made up of chewing gum and strings. Good. I think they're good. I, I know, but they but they've they're dealing with injuries, right? Like yes, heats
1: out and exactly they, and Armstead missed some time. They're kind of swapping guys. McCoy missed some games. Yeah,
0: you know, the, 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 I don't know that I've seen a team that's had a next man
1: up philosophy work as well as this has. The two thousand Saints. Someone called yesterday. I was talking about it last hour with my friend Ralph. It it was a team that lost every skill position on offense, every starter. Um, even Joe Horn, who was that was his first year where he was actually, you know, a commodity. They lost him in the first play of the playoff game, but they lost their starting running back. They lost their starting fullback. They lost their starting tight end. They lost their starting quarterback. They lost both starting receivers. They lost and they just kept trucking and they had a really good defense. Uh, the difference was at that moment in time, they were kind of still thought of as the Aints in a lot of ways. They hadn't even won a playoff game yet. And you fast forward 21 years later, they've won. A bunch and a Super Bowl. So, but in terms of just overcoming, that's I I think of that team that year, Jay, and that's about it. Because if you had told somebody last week, not even just before the season, last week, well, you know the biggest offensive play for scrimmage is going to be for the Saints against Tampa, a 38-yard pass from Trevor Simeon to Kevin White, and there you have. You would have you would have (laughs) said. Oh, give me the bucks. They're about to blow him out. They're gonna have to put in Simeon in garbage time. He's gonna have some cosmetic throw to White who's actually gonna catch a pass. They're done. No, they actually won by nine. It was um it was a wild game. And and I think bittersweet was a word I used a lot. When you win, it kind of it's not like Jameis's injury gets lost in it, but it I I don't think it gets magnified as much, but that's a huge injury. Very unfortunate for Jameis. I don't know if he'll ever play for the Saints again. I mean, it's a harsh reality. Um, but when Sean Payton was like, yeah, when he came into locker room and crutches, I, I was crying. Uh, that's that's a tough blow for him on a horse collar tackle. There was a,
0: a clip and an angle where Sean Payton is shaking hands with Bruce Arians, and you can tell that Arians asked, how's Jameis, uh-huh. and then – Peyton says something, and and Arian's head just winces and drops. It looked like he said
1: ACL is what he's yeah. What I think Peyton
0: said. and and horrible. Feel terrible for him. Um, I only saw about the last five minutes of the game because I was out at Russo Park watching the Cajuns play Northwestern State. I'm I'm still amazed. It sucks. Yeah. I'm still amazed that
1: they won that football game. They've you look at the three wins against Tampa, the two last year in the regular season, the one this year. They turned them over. Yep. The defense had a good game plan, and um, you know Sunday night football in December in Tampa. But uh, I think moving forward, Sean made it pretty clear they're not going to go look for a quarterback elsewhere. I Taysom's supposed to clear concussion protocol. I won't be surprised if they roll with Trevor Simeon as the starter at least Sunday. If Sean wants to get one more closer look, he can worded in a way of, well, you know, Taysom, we want to bring him along slowly, whatever, but you need him in that utility role because this offense outs, you know, in terms of receiver and tight end have zero playmakers. So Taysom is a playmaker. Um, uh, Simeon is serviceable. He's 28 and 25 as a starter. So he has starting experience. He's not good, but he's not bad. But serviceable with that defense, Jay, that's probably good enough to get you in the playoffs. And playoffs this year with with that roster, I'd sign me up. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> sign me up. All uh, right, you mentioned being out of Russo Park, uh, the scrimmage uh for the Ridge Cajun baseball team. What uh, what stood out to you? Get your season tickets. I think this team's gonna be pretty good.
0: Um I think that they've got a lot of weapons offensively. I think uh, I think Matt Deggs is going to have some decisions to make because they're overloaded in the outfield. I mean, they've got a half a dozen really good outfielders. Um, and so, you know, will you see Tyler Robertson come back to third base? You might. He did play some third base in the um, in the scrimmage. Uh, you may see Carson Roquefort play some games at first base. Because they have got some outfield talent. They also have a, a young shortstop that I think is going to be dynamic. Uh, I think you're going to see Bobby Lede move over to second base. Um, Julian Brock has swung the bat extremely well this fall, and he hit a home run in the game uh, against Northwestern. I don't think, with exception of the guys that are returning, like Jacob Schultz and Hayden Dirk, I don't think you're going to see any of the new pitchers Go out with the kind of velocity that Connor Cook and Spencer Arrigetti had, but I think he got some kids that know how to pitch, and I think Seth Thibodeau is going to do a great job with that pitching staff. But I like what I saw offensively. I, you know, they didn't score a ton of runs, but I don't go by that. I go, I, I watch. Did you have good at bats? And they had a lot of guys that had good at bats.
1: Speaking of at bats, World Series, yeah. Game six tonight, is Atlanta going to blow a lead or are they going to end this thing tonight or tomorrow?
0: I think it's going seven.
1: Catch game six tonight on ESPN Lafayette. Free game just after six. So who would you take in a game seven in Houston?
0: Depends on who's pitching. Yeah. You know?
1: I mean, when, when, when the Braves hit a grand slam out the gate the other night, I was like... They might do it. No. No. What is it about Atlanta and holding on to leads? I don't know.
0: But, you know, I read it on Twitter. Said Atlanta going Atlanta.
1: Maybe six to nine. All right, lastly, Cajun hoops. Um, I know the, the women haven't an, had an exhi- ex- exhibition, as did the mid. Women have one more. But uh, season tipping off next week. Talked to uh, Coach Broadhead and Coach Marlon yesterday and uh, – the The men's team having the strength and conditioning coach in there, having the normal off season. I say normal in terms of the year before with COVID and everything. From a physical standpoint, I asked Bob about the team just being bigger in terms of strength, and he said there's no question. You know, uh, everything from from a health standpoint is much better this this time of year than last year. Now Brian Au, they're still bringing along, um, and I think Trajan Wesley is. You know, six. So he's not currently practicing, but he's going to be fine. And outside, yeah, he's of not that, injured. He's ill. Right there, you go. And outside of that, I mean, Kobe Julian looked really good against uh, Bama. And in what is your expectation for the team this year? I think they're
0: going to the be good. Go. I think they're going to be good. Competing I, um, for the for
1: the West. Here? I, I
0: I think that they they definitely will be will be competing now. When you look at the strength of this league. I think the strength is in the West this year. I think Arkansas State's going to be very good. Texas State is the defending regular season champion. They've got most folks back, so they're going to be good. Um, Georgia State is picked is picked to win it, and you know, shame on them for not winning it last year because they should have. Mm-hmm. But I think Georgia State, the Cajuns, and Arkansas State are the are, are the three best teams in the league. Do they stay healthy? Do they do all the things they need to do? But I mean, um, yeah, I, I think those are the three best
1: teams. On the women's side, when you've got some of the best players in the league coming back and playing for you again, I, I think the expectation is really high for Coach Broadhead.
0: Well, he's got a lot. He's got so many newcomers, though. You know, look, he started four seniors and a junior last year. Now, you know, toward the end of the year, you know, Hallman was in the. In the start, so you've got Ty who decided to come back. That's that's the one. That's the big one. For me. Sure it is.
1: That's the big one for me.
0: And and Maymay and and Brianna. But after that, and, and he only played nine the other day because he's got some kids that are out. I I have I have no clue about how Gary's team's going to be.
1: Got a rebound. Season tips off next week. All right. When we uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit on. Some uh, conference realignment stuff in the final segment this morning. It's uh, the 8 o'clock hour of The Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Praythrough. That is Jay Walker. This is ESPN Lafayette, 1033 on the FM dial, 1420 on the AM dial, and streaming worldwide via the app.
0: Memes are great. You know, graphic design is great. Got one last night, said, brands that no longer exist in the year 2023. I saw that. Blockbuster, Toys R Us, Radio Shack, Chi-Chi, Service Merchandise, Kenny Rogers, Roasters, Sharper Image, Circuit City, Louisiana Tech. (laughs) Ouch. That's cold. Ouch. That's brutal. The thing that I read last night. Now, it is expected now that the Mid-America Conference is going to add Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee. That brings Conference USA down to three schools, FIU, UTEP, and Louisiana Tech. What we hear is, the latest thing, is they will add New Mexico State, which everybody figured would happen. Liberty, and we've gotten like, they're going there. No, they're not going there. Now they're going, they're there. Now they're going there. So, yeah. I, so I, I don't know. And then two FCS schools, Sam Houston State, and Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State is not in Florida. That's Jacksonville in Alabama. Um, that would bring them to seven. You must have eight full-time members in order to have an FBS conference. So who the eighth school is going to be, don't know. And this is just a report. I mean, the Mid-America hadn't done their thing yet. And maybe they decide not to expand. So, you know, you have the, you'd have you have those seven schools plus Western and Middle. Um, so I don't know. You know, will, we'll have to wait and see. But that's the latest, okay? That's the latest. Sam Houston, Jacksonville State, Liberty, New Mexico State. It's survive
1: at all costs at this point. Pretty much. And they can try to polish a turd all they want, but that's what's happening right now. That is exactly correct. I think you just got to be honest with where you're at. And I don't, I mean, who knows what conference realignment alignment looks like 10, 15, 20 years from now. We thought we knew what it looked like, and here we are today, and it is vastly different. Survive, but if you can, get stronger. Some conferences got much stronger. Some are just on the brink of flatlining.
0: Yeah, but, uh, you know, it becomes obvious that uh, the three schools that remain, if it is three, and the conference office says, you know we're gonna
1: we're, we're gonna build this thing back." And um, nobody wants to invite him because if they did, they'd say, see ya. yeah Have fun building it. We're gonna move into this apartment complex.. Mm-hmm. Always a blast, my friend. Thanks for coming in, Jay. Thank
0: you for having me as always.
1: All right. Dan Patrick next, then Rich Eisen, then Brad Topham. Top's take. We got World Series Game 6 for you tonight right here on ESPN Lafayette. Now at 103.3 on the FM dial, 14.20 on the AM dial, and streaming worldwide via the app. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. My man, James Butler, in studio. He's always emotional, always entertaining. We'll have some fun. Talk to you all then. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. A diving catch, a store.